So apparently, uh, Marco Verratti was talking to a group, uh, and uh, he said that it was in the 2012-2013 uh, season at PSG, uh, mm-hmm. and they were about to have a, a crucial match against Lyon. Mm-hmm. And uh, Verratti's like, and Ancelotti was a bit tense, so Ibra approached him and asked him if he believed in Jesus. Ancelotti said yes. So Ibra told him, good, so you believe in me. You can relax. Zlatan is like this. He has a lot of self-confidence. This helps him to be a great player. I love that. I love that man. Uh, do you believe in Jesus? Good, then you believe in me. I am Zlatan. <laughs> From now on, if somebody asks if I believe in Jesus, I'm going to say no, I believe in Zlatan. <laughs> Does Jesus play uh, for the Swedish national team? Then yes. <sighs> Uh, yeah, but if he was really Jesus, he would have qualified for the World Cup. That's true. I, so we are, I was, I did look it up. He actually has. The, I think the only World Cup he played in was 2006 in uh, yeah. Japan. Yeah, they always end up in like a tough qualification group. So yeah, I mean it, it's it is tough. I I think it's yeah. actually tough. I mean for to be in Europe, even though they get a bunch of spots, there's just so many good teams. teams. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it just seems like um, they, they just always kind of seem to be like the third best team in their group. Yeah. And then it's kind of like a crapshoot, like who the hell are we going to play in the playoff? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, it's it's like if you've got Spain, France, oh, and Sweden. It's a shit, Spain and France. <laughs> yeah. And, well, I mean, even this, and even this past cycle, it's like, okay, they make it to the playoff. Who are you playing? Oh, we're playing Portugal. Yeah, exactly. Well, so we're not just, going to the World Cup. Yeah, because unfortunately, other than Zlatan, they just don't have that many good players. Yeah, it's a shame. I I, I want to see Zlatan in the world. I want to see Zlatan in Russia. I wonder if they could. Uh, I wonder if he could get Welsh nationality. <laughs> I mean, dude, you put him with that Welsh club. Wow. You know the club that already we can't figure out how the hell they can't win anything. Yeah. No, God. I mean, do they have Joe Allen? Oh, well, if they have Joe Allen. And then you give them Zlatan, Zlatan and Joe Allen and that Bale guy and that Ramsey guy. Yeah, they'd yeah. be good. Speaking Tons. of, I uh, I did see, uh, I don't remember which one it was. I don't remember if it was the Guardian. Oh, I think it was maybe the Daily Mail. Um, they, they, had, they had pictures of the uh, Martin Skirtle's 30th birthday party that all his... Uh, his oh. Liverpool people attended. Oh, I saw that one with the wags. Yes. yes. Is it is it bad that Brendan Rodgers has the best looking girlfriend? Of I all? was just about to say. I think it's either <laughs> him or, honest to God, Glenn Johnson's was pretty great too. Oh, she's amazing. <clears throat> uh, and I didn't like that. Uh, who was it? It was uh, Gerard. Didn't look like he was with anybody. And then there was someone else. Um, Manke- No, not Manke- um, oh, Mark- Mark- Was it Markovic? Yeah. But Markovic's only like 19, so... I was like, oh, poor Lazar, he doesn't have a wag. And and Stevie's wag is like almost as famous in England as he is, so it's just like, you know... Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. And and it's because she's like a... I mean, she was like a newspaper writer. Mm-hmm. He he actually he actually was one of the ones who did not date the um, music singer or the you know the um, the nude model or anything. He just he just dated a chick who wrote for the newspaper and just okay. happened to be a smoking hot blonde. He he, he married sideways. I want oh, I want I want to start I want to start pushing marrying sideways because we've had marrying up and we've had marrying down. 
I want to start pushing marrying sideways. It's like, no, actually, you two are perfect. Like, you are roughly the same attractiveness. You're both successful in your careers. You you married sideways. Well, but I'm going to tell you, though, Alex Gerard, if you do look her up, she is absolutely stunning. <laughs> oh, oh, just, oh, his wife? Yeah, I just, I just yeah, looked her she, up. Yeah. She just happened to not oh, yeah. be a nude model or a pop star. So. Yeah. It's and like, she, how did you end up with her or a socialite? Uh, oh, who Alex, is we love you. Oh, I haven't. I, have, I don't think I've ever seen her. I follow her. I follow Alex on Twitter. So let me let me check. Because I just went to her Wikipedia page and they mentioned her along with uh, uh, Posh and uh, Colleen Rooney as oh, as yeah, England's top wags. Oh God! Wait, oh, she's she's actually not bad. Is is she a natural gingy? Who are you talking about, Colleen? Yeah. Um, yeah, but she's had a lot of work done because uh, apparently she was like the same street trash that Wayne was. Yeah. I mean, she's like from the old neighborhood with Wayne. So she, she, she looks like she's had a lot of work she, done. She's a scouser. Which can't be good. Oh, just, just gorgeous. Yeah. I, I wonder how she'll, she'll look in LA. Um, she'll fit in just right. Oh, she will. I mean, she's huh. like a freaking Anna Kornikova clone almost. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Five nine, just and I bet I bet she's actually very intelligent as well. Oh yeah, she let's say she was a newspaper writer, and that's after three kids, might I add. She's <laughs> she's doing pretty well for herself. Exactly. Oh, uh, and that's how we're gonna start episode thirty six of the All New Sports Show, the podcast. We don't talk about wags too much, but when we do, we take it very seriously. That's right, especially when I talk about my wag on uh, on the TV show. Who's that, Alex Morgan? No, my wag Tracy, my actual oh, wag. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> my actual wag. I apologize. <laughs> Jesus, man, what are you doing to me? Oh, shh, shh, don't spoil it, don't spoil it. Oh, thank you for joining <laughs> us here this week on the Only Sports of the Podcast. I am Edward Green, joined as always by producer Desmond McManus, as well as my co-host, Wes Bradshaw. We have a tremendous, if not crazy, show for you today. We had a wild New Year's Day in the Barclays Premier League, and we will be recapping it for you just as breathlessly as Rebecca Lua did on NBC Breakaway coverage. We'll be following that up with a very... Very listless FA Cup weekend. And of course, we'll be get delving. It's January. It's silly season time. And man, are things getting silly. Especially in Spain right now, where um everybody might be getting replaced, including managers of every club. It's really weird. We'll, of course, also be discussing college football. Maybe even the NFL, now that there's only eight teams left. And, and Wes has become a Baltimore Ravens fan again. We'll even dis- <laughs> I'm back on the NFL. There you go. We'll discuss, of course, uh, some Prince Ali fabulous he news in the oh. world of FIFA. Hall of Fame. Maybe they got it sort of right this year, even though the process is kind of still messed up. They and got of- one right. Yes. And uh, we'll be doing, of course, Watch 4 and So Raw at the end. But first, Wes... We've talked about them. We talked about the Wags. So what better place to start than in jolly old England? Where I'm sure the Wags were celebrating on New Year's Day. Some, maybe a little more than others. Just saying. You know, don't don't want to throw any accusations. I'm just saying it was a crazy day in, in the Barclays Premier League, you know? Hmm. Oh, it always is a crazy day in the Barclays Premier League. 
Oh, your results from this past Thursday when last we spoke were Stoke 1, Manchester United 1. And you know what? Stoke might have deserved three points there. It may be the most listless match of the day, even though it was pretty dramatic towards the end. Aston Villa nil, Crystal Palace nil. Otherwise, at the KC, it was hold 2, Everton nil. Everton, team in crisis. Also, at Anfield, on the other side of Merseyside, it was Liverpool 2, Leicester 2. In the span of three minutes, it went from you'll never walk alone to why do we pay for this crap. Over at the Etihad, it was Manchester City 3, Sunderland 2. A terrible first half of bus parking gave way to a wide open second half that saw five goals scored. Manchester City gets all three points. Elsewhere, Newcastle three, Burnley three. I don't think Burnley had scored three goals the entire Premier League season up to this point. Somehow they draw at Chateau Nouveau. QPR one, Swansea one, ten-man Swansea gets a point, much to somewhat the despair of head boss Gary Monk, even though he thought that they should have earned all three there. Southampton two, Arsenal nil, and suddenly all is right in the world. The Saints are back on target. Arsenal has taken a wee bit of a tumble. West Ham won. West Brom won. West Ham looked clearly the better side, but West Brom gets a key point on the road. And finally, your match of the day. Which may never, ever happen again, but oh God, for two hours, was it great to be a Spurs fan. Tottenham Hotspur 5, Chelsea 3 in a match that saw Jose Mourinho walk out of the pitch before the end of the first half. Harry Kane, he's one of our own. He scores a brace for Spurs to go along with goals from Danny Rose, Nasser Chadley, and a penalty from Andrus Townsend to give Tottenham Hotspur a big win that they've been sorely lacking over the last season and a half against a top four club. Wes, where should we begin? Um, uh, uh, I don't know, man. It was, as you said to I me, mean, it was a crazy weekend. You can literally start anywhere and have valid conversation. Do you, well, then let's do what we normally start with our teams. So let's, let's do it first. Liverpool 2, Leicester 2, Steven Gerrard, all he does is score penalties. One in the 17th, one in the 40th for the Anfield Red. And it looked like for the day, Liverpool would earn three points. Not meant to be as Leicester equalizes in the span of three minutes in the second half on goals by David Nugent and Jeffrey Schlupp, who sounds like he should be a Smurf character. And yet Leicester, the Foxes, get a point at Anfield West. Take us through the emotions of, hey, we're going to play that perfect second half of the season too. Man, is is Brad Jones really still hurt? Like, oh man, is, can can we really not get Victor Valdez? Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently not now. Um, okay, where do we begin? Um, Liverpool, you, you know, you almost want to look at it and say, oh well, you know, they played a good first half and then just took their foot off in the second half. Um, 
No, Liverpool basically played like crap central the entire day. Mm-hmm. Um, they were for, they were extremely fortunate on one penalty in the first half. Uh, the first one, on the second one, it was a clear penalty, but it still came against the run of play. Mm-hmm. Um, Stevie G, obviously, you know, the captain, the great one, uh, slots both balls into the net for a 2-0 lead. And at that point, you are thinking, all right, you know, we'll just see out the second half. We'll get our three points and move on. But the problem was that they didn't improve at all in the second half. Leicester scored on two goals that they very much deserved. Yes. There's nothing else to say. They deserved it. It yes. wasn't a fluke. They um, they were better than Liverpool on the day. Leicester was actually um, unlucky to not come away with three points. I think you're right. Uh, Leicester actually had a very good shot on goal in the first half that actually had Mignolet beat but went off one of the side posts um, on a free kick. And Leicester looked very, very dangerous in that second half for a team that is at the bottom of the table. They put up a very big fight on the road. And, I mean, did... Did Liverpool really take their foot off the gas, or are there deeper issues at work here? Um, I just think it, I just think it was a bad day. Okay. Truly, I believe it was a bad day. Um, Liverpool had been playing good football. Um, I I think maybe Sturridge, Sturridge, excuse me, Sturridge not showing any. Um, tiredness at this time. He should be just fine. Yeah. Uh, Sterling, I think I think we had pushed Sterling a little much. Um, he didn't have the normal movement up top that he has in that game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he had been playing two games a week for the last month. Oh, yeah. So, you know, he, he's been the one guy, one of the one guys who has been in there nonstop. So I think maybe we had pushed him a little too hard at that point. I think he got a well-deserved break against Wimbledon at the Cup. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I think up top we weren't great. Lalana picking up a knock. Now that's not an excuse because it's not like we were playing well with Lalana at that point. Mm-hmm. But Lalana has been playing very well. Um, you know he wasn't great, but him picking up the injury didn't help at all. Uh, there's still you know uh, there's still problems at the back. Emery Chan, who looked really good at center back, did not have his best game. You know he. A few great showings from him, but then you still learn that this is a guy who this is not his natural position, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's got to be sorted out somehow. You know, he's great; he can step in and be spot duty for you, but he's not a natural central defender. So that's something of concern. Uh, j- just not a great overall day for Liverpool, and I think sometimes you have those. And another thing, Ed, and this is something I believe I pointed out on a on a post on Facebook was actually, you know, yes, Stevie G scored both goals. That was great. I mean, obviously, they both came from the penalty spot. Yes. So. Um, Liverpool only have three wins this season in the Premier League mm-hmm. when Steven Gerrard starts. Yeah. I, I, now, what was all oh, was that stat? Was that the Premier League or just all games that he's – I believe if I, I remember your post, games. I think if I remember your post correctly, the post said all matches. Okay, so all matches, they had only won three matches that Steven Gerrard had played in this year. Um, After the Wimbledon match, obviously that made it four. But, you know, to me, there's a correlation there. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I believe against Wimbledon, that was the kind of match where Steven Gerrard can still be a star turn in because you're not playing that extremely high tempo Premier League game. Right. You're playing a second division team um, who, while physical and maybe athletic, obviously there's a reason that Wimbledon is Wimbledon <laughs> and not Chelsea. Yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, those are the kind of games I think Steven Gerrard can still star in. Now, of course, this week, now you're getting all the old oh, God. We needed to keep him. See what he did. He scored four goals in two games. Okay, three, two of them were penalties. One of them was a free kick. Yes. <laughs> and he is, you know, Stephen Gerrard still brings awesome things. Obviously, leadership. He is a he, he is he's actually becoming more and more like Beckham in his later years. He is fantastic from a free kick. Mm-hmm. He does some things well, but he's just lost so much mobility. He's not the same guy. Um, but, you know, with Stevie G playing, we're not quite as dynamic a team as we can be. And that's why I really I really think over the second half of the season, now especially that Stevie has uh, announced he's heading to L.A. Galaxy, mm-hmm. I believe you're going to see less and less of Steven Gerrard in the Premier League. Um, I think you'll definitely see him in the cup matches. Uh, I mean, I'd take him in Europe any time. Um, you know, FA Cup, Capital One Company, Cup, 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 Cup. Um, I think you're just going to see him a lot in those, a lot in those, and maybe really pulling back on his Premier League stuff because I just think it's been proven we need a more dynamic team in the Premier League. Right. And not obviously helping that. You mentioned Adam Lana picking up a knock in this match reports now coming out. He looks like he's going to be out for about a month and you know, you haven't gotten Sturge back yet already a somewhat shaky up top front line for you guys is now going to become even, even worse. How does, how does Liverpool deal with this injury? Well, you know, there's never a great time for an injury, but I am going to say if, if he had to take a knock, this might have been the absolute best time for it to happen. Um, if you'll give me just a moment. Here we go. Uh, January for Liverpool. Of course, we just played the FA Cup. Next two matches, Sunderland and Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. And then Capital One Cup, FA Cup, Capital One Cup, and then West Ham to end the month. You're playing more cup games this month, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And... You've just you've got to believe that even without Lalana, you can go to Sunderland and to Aston Villa and find a way to get results with the other guys on your team. Um, and then West Ham, obviously, the other month. Not to say that's an easy slate by any means. With Liverpool, there's there is no easy <laughs> slate this year. But um, I just don't think you're hitting panic mode losing Lalana at this point. Um, now it does hurt you some in depth because as I just said there, I mean, Liverpool is playing, uh, what's that? Three, six Liverpool's playing eight matches this month, mm-hmm. eight matches this month. Um, and that does not, I don't believe there's any Europa this month. That starts next month, right? Correct. You're Mr. Europa. So I can ask I love you it. That. Love it. You're the man on it. Um, so luckily no Europa ties this month, but, uh, eight matches. Mm-hmm. Including two against Chelsea, even exactly. though those are in a they're in the Capital One Cup, but those are two against Chelsea. And then I, I think your FA Cup isn't against anybody major, though. 
Um, who did we draw in the FA Cup fourth round? I heard on the radio, but they said it so quickly. I, I don't. I I'm almost positive it's not a Premier League team. It might not even be a championship not, side. Let, let me take a let me take a quick, 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 quick look. FA Cup Liverpool. Uh, Wimbledon. Let's see. We got um. Uh, uh, FA Cup. Let's see. Uh, this guy. This uh, is riveting. Bolton. It's Bolton. Oh, Bolton. Yes. Bolton. So Bolton on the twenty fourth. Um, I think Liverpool can survive. Um, Lalana being injured, but that also you know leads into something we'll talk about obviously in a little bit as well, and that is the January transfer window, yes. where you've just, I mean, you've got to firmly believe Liverpool are going to do something to try to bring in some reinforcements. You you would hope so, and we will of course we like you said we will talk about that in a little bit because man there are some wild things happening in the transfer market right now and some very crazy rumors. Let's move on, though, to what has generally been known to Chelsea supporters as three-point lane. And it was again, but this time, for once, it was three points for the home side. Spurs, five, Chelsea, three, as our lovable friend Arlo White said after Harry Kane scored his second goal, Spurs are blowing Chelsea's doors off. Of course, in my giddiness, I kind of thought he had said they're blowing their balls off. Uh, if only, if only Arlo had said that. But at that point, it but was... But what would John Terry do at that point, Edward? Ah, uh, shag somebody's wife, obviously. Um, he... Crazy match. Diego Costa scores in the 18th minute after a good period of Spurs play. And you think it's just like their first match of the year. Chelsea now look to dominate. And for about another 10-minute stretch, they really did control pace of play. But Harry Kane, as he's done so many times this year, just basically made something out of nothing. Dribbled around four defenders, then took a shot from just outside the penalty area and perfectly slotted in by one of the best keepers in the Premier League in, in um, Thibaut Courtois. And then it just kept snowballing from there. Danny Rose with a follow-up shot after Nasser Chadley hits the sidebar in the 44th minute. And then just two minutes later, right at the death of the first half, Harry Kane cleverly draws another penalty off of Gary Cahill's foot. Andros Townsend steps up, makes the penalty... All of a sudden, 3-1 Spurs at the half, and you're thinking, wait, this this really can't be happening. But seven minutes into <laughs> half two, Harry Kane scores again on a great run into the box, and Spurs fans are going nuts. Of course, Ed Nezar does make it 4-2 in the 61st minute, but Nasser Chadley gets a very well-deserved goal in the 78th to make it 5-2. John Terry added a bit of a sitter in the 87th. But Wes, this was something we just don't say all a whole lot. This was all Spurs, really, and this was not all just all Spurs. This was all Spurs against a top four side. I don't think either of us, even me being a Spurs supporter, could have expected Spurs to win this match, much less in the convincing fashion that they did. And not only that, Ed, but also a full strength 
top four side. They yeah. weren't resting anyone for Europe. You know, you don't get that excuse. You don't get the, you know, we're playing Manchester United in two days. You're not getting any of that. Chelsea was locked and loaded, ready to rock and roll, uh, looking for their three points. You know, sometimes they call White Hart Lane downtown because that's where they go for three. Yes. Um, but they uh, – Spurs just absolutely came out and stunned them. You know, I'm a big proponent. My, one of my favorite things to say during football is I love when another team punches you in the mouth because I want to see how you respond. Spurs absolutely just blasted Chelsea right in the mouth with a big balled-up fist, and Chelsea just kind of fell to the side whimpering and whining. Is Someone someone said at one point, I, I, it might have been one of the commentators, it might have even been uh, one of the two Wobbies at halftime, of NBC Sports, it, you almost want to see what Chelsea can do. Or how is their steal when they're going to make this title race? We've been saying, I think more, I more than you, but we both have been saying that Chelsea were Premier League champions in waiting. Does this match result, granted it's just one match, and it is at the end of that crazy holiday period, but mm-hmm. does this do anything to further dissuade you from thinking, maybe this isn't really... Totally Chelsea's year. No, because I mean the cha- even the champions will lose a few matches, and mm-hmm. and sometimes they'll lose one ugly. Uh, at the end of the day, I still think Chelsea's better. I still think Chelsea's more mentally tough. I'm gonna tell you though, right now for Chelsea, they somebody has got to look at Jose Mourinho and just say, "Will you shut the hell up?" <laughs> No, I mean, you've got this amazing squad with amazing players and the guy who is widely regarded as the best manager in the world. And for whatever reason, he has just decided, I want to make this all about the officials lately. And I think that's actually been a distraction. I mean, just shut up, dude. We did. Just, just, you know, strategize and let your team play because – when you do that, you're that much better than everyone else. But I think he's gotten himself distracted recently with all the talk about uh, the officiating. We did say earlier this season, you know, maybe the only thing that could really bring Chelsea down a little bit is Mourinho thinking things are too easy and deciding to start playing mind games. Well, this is even worse than playing mind games. I think I think he genuinely believes in this and that there is the full campaign against Chelsea, and that's really disheartening to hear. I don't know, did you hear his uh, post-match comments with uh, the man from BT Sport? Uh, I read them, and I mean, it's just like, oh my god. As bad as, course, it's, as bad as it read, it came off even more awkward when it was actually live on television. Well, and the, here's the deal, you know, I mean, he sounds like he sounds like a Detroit Lions fan this week. Hey, I love it. Except that Detroit Lions fans actually have a real tangible argument, I believe. Yes. <laughs> you know, theirs was so blatantly bad, it wasn't funny. Um, but, you know, for Josie, it's all speculation and conjecture. You know, oh, I believe he tipped him here. You know, and, man, you know, I, I don't know, maybe it's just that's one of the big differences in American sports culture, I believe, and, and what we get over in Europe is the managers in Europe are just a lot more outspoken when they're unhappy with officiating. Yes. You know, over here in the United States, you know, I mean, what have we always been taught, you know, as players, 
I mean, you, you, Ed, you were a good baseball player growing up. You were taught, you know, don't let the umpire take you out of the game. If you get a bad strike, you know, adjust and hit it the next time. Right. You know, as a football player, if I got called for holding, you know, adjust and don't get called for holding next time. Mm-hmm. You know, just, you know, kind of kick yourself in the butt and say, all right, I screwed up. You know, maybe it was a little crappy, but, you know, let me get back on it. And, of course, then if we ever were asked about it or spoke about it, it was always, well, you know, the rest don't win the game or decide the game. Uh, here with Mourinho and some of these other European guys, um, they have no problem blaming the rest for everything, yes, inclu- yes. including the play. It's it, And the weird thing is he, he seemed to be complaining about calls in this match, and, and none of them were bad. The, the penalty on Kane was was fairly easy to see. Uh, there was one, there was a challenge Federico Fazio made, uh, I believe, on Azard as he was driving into the box. But A, even live, it didn't really look like a penalty, a true penalty. And on the replay, it clearly wasn't a penalty. Like, it was just a good, clean tackle that sent the ball out of play. And so I'm just like, J- you got beat. You got beat and got beaten badly even if you take away one of Kane's penalties you still lose like like you can you can get rid of that Harry Kane still beat you he put two great shots by Thibaut Courtois Chadley put one by Courtois Danny Rose had a follow-up after Chadley beat Courtois again so you you just you got beat Spurs were better I know it's hard for you to swallow that because it's not going to happen too much but I I, I, I guess he wouldn't be Mourinho if he wasn't, but I would like him to see him be a little more gracious in defeat. Yeah, but like you said, then he wouldn't be Mourinho anymore. It's I mean, true. that's just him. He's he's never he's never been outsmarted. He's never been outcoached. Um, you know, he 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 always has the lesser talent, but is is such a better coach that he makes them better than everyone else. That's the way Mourinho thinks. So therefore, if a call goes against him and he loses, he just he doesn't understand it or doesn't want to understand it or just wants to be a bitch and whine about it. We talked a little bit last week, I believe, about Spurs being a top four contender. Again, this is just one match, but let's really quickly think. Do now, depending on obviously, again, what happens in the transfer market this next month, do you think now maybe Spurs could legitimately be getting into that fourth slot and be a Champions League team, or, or are they going to eventually settle into maybe fifth, sixth, seventh? I think uh, City United, Chelsea are your top three. <clears throat> and I just, I don't, uh, maybe I've been wrong on this before, but I don't believe Southampton's going to stick around in this race. I believe right now it's Tottenham Arsenal, and Liverpool is the wild card. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just that's what I believe in. I don't I don't think Southampton has the staying power. Uh, so I think it's up to North London. And then once again, if Liverpool can find a rich vein of uh, form, they could find themselves getting in there. But I think right now, especially dropping those points to Leicester, uh, Liverpool's on the outside looking in at the moment. Mm-hmm. And cut to uh, to next week when uh, we do the podcast and we mourn how. Liverpool dropped three points at the stadium. Oh, God, if that happens. Might not be a fun podcast next week. But you talked about two teams you just mentioned. Let's head over to St. Mary's Stadium for our last match we're going to discuss here. Southampton 2, 
Arsenal nil for one more week at least. Southampton stay on top. Sadio Main and Dusan Tadic score for the Saints. The curse of Roger Bennett has been broken as Arsenal find a way to win possession. 58% have just as many shots on goal as the Saints. But Alexis Sanchez Sanchez was not enough of a talisman this time for Arsenal as they drew... Uh, suffer a loss at St. Mary's and you know we have we have made great fun of Simon Mignolet this year. I would I would never do that. Uh-huh. But just a fantastic supporter. You know what? Wojciech Chesney hasn't has been quietly having a not very good year as well <laughs> and he was beat very badly by Southampton on this night. So so what do we make of this, Wes? Are you you said you think Southampton will eventually start to fade. Are Arsenal also in a little bit of trouble? Uh, it's the only thing you can go on with Arsenal is this like nearly two complete decades of being able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's almost like with Man United last year. It's like, I don't think you'll truly believe, well, even though, of course, United just completely fell off the map a year ago. Right. Um, but I think it's one of those things like you can't truly believe it until they're mathematically eliminated. Mm-hmm. So I think at that point, you still give them the benefit of the doubt. It's kind of like last year with Liverpool fans, kind of the opposite, is all season until the numbers said we're in, we were just all waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yes. You know, it was totally an opposite thing. I just think Arsenal, uh, I mean, you know, for whatever we may think about Arsene Wenger, he knows how to will teams to to win that fourth place trophy. He's he's just amazing at it. So I can't count him out. You know, I, I think you're right, but man, I, I just... I don't think Arsenal has it this year. I think Alexis Sanchez has been fantastic. He might be the best player in the Premier League this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Harry Kane and Diego Costa and when healthy Sergio Aguero will give him a run for his money. But he's been absolutely fantastic. I just I don't know if that defensive back is good enough. And I, I just I don't know if they they have that mentality this year. Unless unless Sanchez just drags them over the line with him, mm-hmm. I, I I don't I don't think they have it this year. I really don't. Oh, well, I mean, mine just comes down to history. You know, I'm a historical guy, I know. and I know. Um, you know, I go on trends, and yes, eventually I do get burned on that because that's what happens when you go on trends. I mean, look, we talk about, you know, locally, we talk about the Tarboro Vikings all the time. They'll make it to the third round. They'll, you know, they'll dominate their league. Well, you know, one day somebody's going to beat them. And they're going to be like, oh, y'all said Tarboro was going to beat everybody. Well, you know, eventually they're going to lose and we're going to be wrong. Yes. But I'm much more willing to put my money that I'll be right just because (laughs) I have many, many, many years of backup backing it up. So, um I would just say right now, um, I believe Arsenal is probably about a 50% to get that fourth place spot. I'm going to say Spurs are about uh, 40%, and I'm going to throw Liverpool about 10%. All right, 
Fair enough. Um, so that is how the Premier League is shaking up. Also, really, really good to see Southampton bouncing back. They did have a few tough losses in the holiday period when they started playing the big boys. So it's good to see them get a win, even if it's at home, to uh, to a good Arsenal side. To a, mid, to a mid-table team. Yes, to a mid-table, very mid-table team. Everybody's <laughs> mid-table, though, so it's... In the bleak mid-table. Speaking of the table, let's get you a look on it ahead of this weekend's <laughs> Premier League action. Chelsea and Manchester City are dead frigging level at number one. Chelsea currently on top because they are first in alphabetical order. And Wes, something I found out this weekend, if it stayed like this, if they stayed level in every tiebreaker the rest of the season, there will be a one-match play. Yes, yes. Oh my god, and with two weeks of vacation time left, and one week possibly going to Disney World, which leaves me five days to play with, yeah. that would be a vacation day taken. Oh, absolutely. You you and me both. You oh and me gracious. both. Oh, oh it, gracious. That'd be awesome. It would be so fantastic. If last year was a very exciting way to get the... Uh, to get the American fans into the Premier League. Could you imagine what it would be like for everybody who's jumping on this year to be like, oh, and by the way, at the end of the year now, we're going to have a one-game playoff for the championship. It's like baseball. It's just like baseball. It's like baseball. Oh, all, the would... way, all the way down to the horribly overpaid players with no salary cap. It's baseball. Pretty much. Um, following them, Manchester United are still in third, nine points adrift. Southampton stay in that fourth slot at 36 points. Tottenham Hotspur in fifth right now with 34 points. Arsenal reside in sixth with 33. And at the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone, West Brom is in 17th at 18 points and firmly entrenched in, in the red zone. 17 points apiece for Crystal Palace and Burnley. And just 14 points for Leicester. We'll see if they can make a run out well, of for, there. For Leicester, they only had 13 going into the weekend. So. It, is, it, is, it is better. <sighs> oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh, this Saturday, your Premier League schedule looks like this. Again, 7.45 a.m. West. Sunderland hosts Liverpool. At 10 a.m., you have a choice of Burnley QPR, Chelsea Newcastle, Everton, Manchester City, Leicester, Aston Villa, Swansea, West Ham United, West Brom, Hull, and Crystal Palace, Tottenham Hotspur rounds the day off at 12.30. And on Sunday, you get two matches at 8.30. Arsenal hosts Stoke. Maybe that could be a bit of a tricky match, I think, for Arsenal. And at 11 a.m., Southampton looks to continue their winning ways as they head to Old Trafford to take on Louis van Hull and Manchester United. All right, now Wes, let's just take a really quick peek because it was it was a rather boring and turgid affair in the FA Cup this, oh, yeah. this past weekend. So I'm just going to quickly, in fact, I'm actually not even going to stay on ESPN's yeah, site. <laughs> I am going to go to the FA Cup Wikipedia page and run down the scores of the Premier League teams from there. Now, obviously, we are in the, the round of 64. I believe this is called the third round proper. Uh, but I, I feel like it helps more to call it the round of 64 because there are 64 teams left. And this is the the round of the competition where all the Premier League sides uh, officially have joined in. So as for Premier League sides, it was West Brom 7, Gateshead 5. Gateshead coming from 
Uh, I don't even know where they're the fifth. They're the fifth level, so they're the one be below League Two. And the, the big thing about uh, Saito Barahino, who is um, a uh, maybe a maybe a January target of both Spurs and Liverpool, they mm-hmm. seem to be the two uh, front runners for his services. Mm-hmm. Even though, of course, West Brom says staunchly he's not for sale. Four goals in that match, uh, and England. England under 21 international. He is uh, kind of being lauded the next great England striker. Um, so that's that's definitely got to keep your your eyes on his side of Verginia. And like any great England young England striker, he was recently arrested for drink driving. Oh, of course. Uh, you know, just real quick, I love the term drink driving. It's fantastic. And that's literally what they say. I've heard the commercials on Talk Sport before. It's if you get caught for drink driving. Wow, they call it drink driving. Okay, that's cool. Hate, hate, hate the practice. Love the name. Oh, you Brits have gotten it right again. <laughs> uh, elsewhere, it was Tranmere Rovers two, Swansea six, um, Leicester one, Newcastle United nil. Let the Foxes bounce Chateau Nouveau right out of the FA Cup. Excuse me. It was also Dover Athletic nil, Crystal Palace four. Over Delaware? No, I don't think so. Probably. Uh, Do- uh, Sunderland 1, Leeds United 0, QPR 0, Sheffield United 3. The <laughs> only Premier League side to not to be knocked out by a non-Premier League side in this round of the competition. Wow-wee! So congratulations, Ari. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Aston Villa he, won. He just, he just didn't want the uh, distraction. No, not at all. Blackpool, nil. Uh, Manchester City, two. Sheffield, Wednesday, one. Uh, Southampton, one. Ipswich Town, one. Ipswich, <laughs> Ipswich Town out of the championship. They will be playing a replay this weekend. Or this week, sorry. Stoke City, one. Wrexham, or sorry, Stoke City, three. Wrexham, one. Uh, Yeovil Town at nil, Manchester United two. Yeovil Town out of League One gave the Red Lions a, cha- a chance there, but just couldn't take advantage. Elsewhere, Chelsea three, Watford nil, Arsenal two, Hull nil, Burnley one, Tottenham Hotspur one. They will be playing a replay at White Hart Lane this week. Uh, AFC Wimbledon one, Liverpool two. Which I was listening on the uh, Spurs broadcast, and they would keep cutting into the uh, Wimbledon Liverpool match. And as boring as the Spurs match sounded, the guy that was doing the updates for Wimbledon Wimbledon Liverpool was going absolutely nuts at Kings Meadow. He was like, "Oh, and Steven Gerrard has scored. Liverpool take a one nil lead in the twelfth minute. Oh, Akinifor has leveled for Wimbledon. It's madness here." Kingston upon Thames. It's absolutely mental here. I was like, man, that sounds like a much more exciting well, well, match than the one I'm listening to. Well, but he knew that was his one chance to get on it's national true. radio. It's and true. by the way, that uh, the, I I can't I can't remember how to pronounce the guy's name, Agbonanyo or whatever it is. Yes, he's like six one two twenty five. He's like I mean he weighs like two thirty. He's yes. built like a freaking uh he's built like a freaking D two linebacker. Yeah. He's five eleven. Yeah, he's built like a D two middle linebacker. Man. Oh my god! And uh, <laughs> that was that was great. One of the holdovers from NFL Europe, obviously. I, I think someone said, uh, "Welcome to welcome to league football, uh, Emery Chan." Yes. <laughs> You weren't expecting this, were you? I loved on that goal because I saw the replay of it. I can F1 just basically 
just manhandled Minya Lay and was like, no, I'm going to score here. And Minya Lay was like, okay, I guess so. Uh, well, Minya Lay's like that with everyone. Okay, do what you want. That's true. Uh, elsewhere at Goodison, it was Everton <sighs> 1, West Ham 1. They'll be playing a replay. Uh, oh, and, and Everton equalized that very, very late. Jeez, I... Uh, <laughs> have we talked enough about how bad Everton have been this year? Um, you know, there is actually a story right now on uh, Grantland about, um, you know, what ha- what what has happened to the Tim Howard of, uh, of the summer 2014. It's not even that, though. It's everybody. Lukaku, even though he equalized oh, late. Stink. It's It's just been so bad. Well, and real quick, what's happened, it's finally caught up with them. You know, the, the way Roberto Martinez sets up a team, and th- this is terrifying that he almost came to Liverpool, even though Brendan Rodgers is kind of Roberto Martinez light, but at least Brendan Rodgers like, pretends to care about a defensive defensive uh, shape. Martinez basically is like, you know, screw defense. I'm just going to get more skilled players. My best defense is keeping the ball away from you and playing, you know, possess- possession-based offense. I mean, dude, they literally had Gareth Barry playing central defense um, in a match about a week or two ago. Yeah. I mean, Gareth Barry, are you shitting me, man? Um, and, of course, Tim Howard is out for a month with a calf injury. Mm-hmm. But that's it. You know, there, there's a there's a stat that says a little bit, but it doesn't really say as much as you think. His shot save percentage this year has gone up from about 25% a year ago which means only about 25% of the shots going in on him were going in the goal. So basically three out of four has gone up to 45% this year. Wow. But I mean, you can't always blame the keeper for that. A lot of that's your defense, but right. but that just also shows you how terrible they have been defensively. Oh, they're, they're just a train wreck up and I down. Mean, when, when basically, when basically every other shot on goal is going in. Yeah. It's, it's really, really bad how things have gotten at Goodison. Um, Let's though talk some transfer news now, Wes. Ah, uh, oh, the best time of the year, other than the entire summer. Also, I just I clicked on the uh, the live uh, reports here from uh, ESPN <laughs> FC and read one of the most creepy sentences I've ever heard in my life. Uh, this was at twenty two forty six Greenwich Mean Time. Uh, Manchester United may be signing Victor Valdez, but they also want to have their cake and eat him. Yeah, I hope that was just lost in translations. I, I hope so because I mean they're referencing David De Gea, but it's like eh, that, eh, no, that that sounds that sounds really creepy. Actually, that's that's really weird. Uh, there's also been a little bit of talk. Uh, Manchester United are still working on a deal for Dortmund defender Mats Hummels, according to Talk Sport. Yeah, they've um, been doing that for like three years. So. Yeah. <laughs> This one might actually be true. It might be. Um, Just running quickly through some other things. Like we said, Valdez uh, will be coming over from Barcelona. He looks to be fully recouped from a knee injury and will be coming to Manchester United on a full transfer. Um, As you mentioned, Barrino, there's been talks with uh, both Liverpool where he would be transferred. If he came to Spurs, it looks like he might be actually going in almost a trade. Uh, West Brom might be getting uh, Andrus Townsend and Aaron Lennon in that deal. Um, there's been also some talk, uh, of course, uh, Zarate is going from West Ham United to QPR. That is confirmed. Uh, Wilfred Bonet, who has been linked to just about every team this mm. Premier League season, it looks like City, if they want him, might have to give up about $30 million for him. Um, mm. I mean, but you know what? I mean, they, they might, 
it, depending on how long the coon is out for, they they might have to go and spend it. Well, I mean, it's not like it would be that big of a problem for him, but also for them, uh, he would be immediately eligible for Europe, mm-hmm. which, you know, teams trying to find top-level guys to be able to play in Europe. You know, obviously, if you're... Uh, well, I mean, let's just say you're Real Madrid and you wanted to buy, say, Mario Balotelli, <laughs> which would be awesome. Yes. Uh, you know, that... <laughs> That would that would mean he would be ineligible to play in Europe for you since he'd already played for Liverpool. Right. So you know, to be able to pull a top a top shelf signing like Bonet would be for uh, for either say Chelsea or City or or you know Arsenal obviously still in there that would be massive for one of those because you could immediately plug him into play and oh, not have any European uh, you know not ha- not having held back for anything. Want to get your thoughts on a couple others here. Uh, the goalie Nito from Fiorentina might be coming to Liverpool on a full transfer. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that one? Uh, he is one of about 20 goalies who may be coming to <laughs> Liverpool on a full transfer. Um, I, I don't know anything about Nito <laughs> at Fiorentina. It's Nito. Hey, you know what? I'll be able to, next month, if you haven't gotten him, I'll, Spurs will be able to tell you uh, if he was good or not since we'll be playing Absolutely. them in, the, in Europa. Uh, also linked to Liverpool, though, from uh, Bayern München, uh, Zeredin Shakiri. Um, that, that's the big one that we've been after for about two years now. Um, there was there was talk of him going to Inter Milan, but mm-hmm. Inter only wanted to take him on loan because you know they're Italian and have no money. Yeah. They wanted to take him on loan. Liverpool is interested in. Liverpool obviously wants to buy him permanently. Um, the fly in the ointment may be Juventus. Ah. who has uh, somewhat come on and are interested in him. Um, I, I just, Shakiri is a, he is a perfect, perfect fit for Brendan Rodgers' system. He would just be a fantastic winger for Liverpool. Of course, then the weirdest rumor I saw today was that uh, Stoke City is also interested in him. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so That's why weird. not? Why the hell not? Go to Stoke City. Um, but this is one that uh, a lot of Liverpool fans are kind of putting a lot of stock in, like, you know, you need to get this guy or, you know, or we're totally jumping off the wagon saying that, you know, you cannot go out and get targets that we really need. Um, because, you know, this past summer, Liverpool spent a lot of money on a lot of guys who we're hoping are going to be really good in about two years. Yeah. Um, Zerdin Shakiri is a guy who would walk right into the Liverpool lineup tomorrow and make them better. Mm-hmm. Certainly. So. That is that is another one. Uh, some quickly some other ones. Uh, Julian Draxler, the young German mm-hmm. professional who's currently playing for Schalke Four, has been linked with Arsenal and Manchester City. Uh, um, Wesley Snyder, uh, the Dutch national, or yeah, the Dutch national, uh, and the Galatasarayan has been linked to Manchester United. Again, uh, that's he, another one of those has been yes. going on for about four years now. So. Exactly. Uh, Peter Chech, uh, Chelsea's backup keeper right now, uh, is uh, being linked to Roma. Uh, so it might be a move for him. They, the, I know the team has played it down a lot, but uh, we'll have to see on that one. Uh, on the on the England front with Czech, uh, Liverpool would love to get their hands on Czech, as apparently would Arsenal. Oh, I'm sure. I so. have no doubt about that. Uh, a confirmed one from Arsenal to Internazionale uh, is Lucas Podolski. He will be yeah. going there. That is a confirmed uh, one. He, he's actually already played, so he's yes. already there. Yeah, he's and, already played in the match, so. 
And now I want to kind of go to Spain, Wes, because this is where <laughs> literally everything is going. I, I emailed these to you in the rundown. I've, I've read things like Falcao is going to Real Madrid to replace Karim Benzema, who's coming to the Premier League. And From Liverpool. Liverpool's going to pay $40 million for him, apparently. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, right. And, and, and just this insane almost sudden rift that Lionel Messi is having with Barcelona and their manager. And now all of a sudden, Lionel Messi, who at one point I believe today was uh, his value in the transfer market, uh, let me I have it, worth 220 million euros, which would be 60% more than Cristiano Ronaldo. That's according to a CIES study. He's apparently maybe on the move too. I mean, what, Wes? What the hell is going on in Spain? Um, well, apparently, uh, right now you're feeling a lot of the come down um, on this whole Barcelona transfer embargo deal. Yeah, there has been a lot more talk about that lately. I mean, basically, Barcelona for the next year and a half, they can't sign anybody. Yeah, they can't bring anyone in. And the problem with that is this is an aging team. This oh, yeah. is a team that, you know, Xavi Hernandez, who literally may be the best player in the world over the last decade, if you really want to get down to it, screw scoring goals. I'm talking about a guy who just makes your team amazing is Xavi Hernandez. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's getting old. Iniesta is getting older. Um, uh, uh, Busquets is getting older. Um uh, God, who who married um, Shakira? Uh, uh, Mar- Montoya? Or Peek? Peek, Peek, Peek. Peek, Peek. Peek is getting older. Yep. This is a team that is rapidly aging and can't do anything about it. Yeah. Um, you know, now that front line still looks amazing on paper. Suarez, um, Messi, and uh, Neymar. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to tell you, man, you know, with those guys, you know, it, it's one thing if you were playing two strikers or if one of them was a natural winger or two of them were wingers, you know, there's there really is only so much ball to go around. And, you know, who's to say that the addition over the last couple of years, because I, I remember reading something that Neymar maybe wasn't that high on bringing in or Messi wasn't that high in bringing in Neymar. Mm-hmm. And then you bring in Suarez on top of it. Um, I mean, I wonder if that's got something to do with it, which also says to me, if Barcelona did move Messi, would you really be that much worse off? Yes. I mean, I mean, you, you have to think they would be. And and here, here's, here's how I say this. Here's the answer to that. If you could turn around and reinvest 200 million euros into your team immediately, no, that's true. You could cover that, but you can't. If you sell him, it's going to sit in the bank for a freaking yeah. year before you can touch it because you can't buy anybody. Exactly. Um, and that's I think problem. that would be the biggest problem with it. Is uh, I mean, if you could sit there and replace him, and you know, go out and buy three world cl- world class, three or four just world class players like that, you know, I mean. You turn around, you go out, you buy Paul Pogba. You know, you go yeah. and you buy, um, you know, you buy maybe the best central defender in the world. So you go get John Terry. Mm-hmm. Um, you could you could make a play for Draxler. I, I've heard a lot. Yeah, of people, I mean, you could do yeah. you could you could basically with that you could go after anyone. Yeah, but they can't do that. Right. So, um, I uh, now here's my other thing. 
How could anyone in the world, Manchester City, United, Chelsea, uh, Real Madrid, how could you possibly buy him and somehow be inside the parameters of financial fair play? Uh, I I don't think there's a way. Not, so, not for that much, no. So, so therein lies the problem with all these supposed rumors. <clears throat> a, there are literally three teams in the world that could afford him. And those teams... I believe have zero flexibility to be able to buy them if they wanted to, unless they sold off like four players. Right. So <clears throat> I think it's, it's, it's a fun rumor to talk about just because how often does the absolute best player in the world actually move? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the last time it kind of happened was, I guess we say Ronaldo going from United to Madrid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, amazing players don't leave Barcelona and Madrid. So what are you talking about? That's what Zlatan did. Well, of course, of course, but that was a uh, that was a moment of bridge crossing for Zlatan. Little different, little different. Yeah, but you know, the, I mean, the Ronaldos and the Messi's of the world. No, you're right. You don't foresee them moving. That's why anytime there's a a rumor about it, it just absolutely explodes. By the way, real quick, we're going to keep talking a, few, a little more Spanish football here. But just and and by the time anybody listens to this, this will be over. Uh, Duke's in a one-point game with Wake Forest with three minutes to go in the second half. Yeah, I'm watching that. Wake just had it tied a minute ago at about the five-and-a-half mark. They had it tied, and um, they have uh, really shut down Jaleel Okafor tonight. He's, oh like, he's only got like seven or eight points, I think. We might be talking about an upset later. Uh, but let's get back to Barcelona for a minute. Uh, are, are you surprised that the fallout that has happened between Luis Enrique and maybe not just Messi, but really the rest of the team? And does Luis Enrique leaving help Barcelona? Like, would that fix their quote-unquote issues? Well, here herein lies the issue with Luis Enrique. Who is he not getting along with? The older players. Right. Okay, the older players who were sitting here just moments ago saying, you know, it might be about time to cut to cut bait with some of these guys. If you really believe in Luis Enrique as your manager, are you going to let a handful of older players dictate your managerial choice at this point when they could be gone in a year and a half? Um, now, once again, I know football is completely different yeah. than, than sports that we watch regularly. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, right now, Peyton Manning, if he decides he does not like uh, John Fox mm-hmm. and the Denver Broncos are like, well, no, John Fox is our coach for the next 10 years. Peyton, you know, you're gone after about a year. Deal with <laughs> it. You know, <laughs> um, you know, Alabama is not going to uh, push Nick Saban out. No. Based on, you know, uh, a freshman running back who doesn't like Nick Saban. Right. Guess what, buddy? Go somewhere else. (laughs) Soccer football just seems to be very, very, very reactionary. Uh Uh-huh. It's almost, and I don't watch it, but it's almost kind of like hockey is. It's like, oh, we're we're in a five-game losing streak. Okay, we're going to fire the manager and hire somebody else. You're you're exactly right, yeah. And, you know, that that's kind of more what it's like where in the footballs, the basketballs, the baseballs, you know, that you and I are more accustomed to. It's more about, you know, you need stability long term. You need to build. You need to do these things. But I think with football, there's so much money that ride on Europe and going deep in Europe mm-hmm. 
that I think any time when you feel something's not working, it is very hard to not pull the trigger and try to come up with a quick fix. I mean, especially when you see guys like like last year, like Tony Pulis. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Crystal Palace was left for dead. Pulis comes in, keeps them in the Premier League, makes them a shitload of money. Mm-hmm. When when those results have been seen before, it's very hard to not just say, "I'll just replace the manager." And the thing is, there are not very many, we'll just use them, Sir Alex Ferguson's, Pep Guardiola's, Jose Mourinho's. There are not many of those guys in in the world Mm -hmm. who the coach is bigger than the players. Right. You know, I mean, God, the the names that Sir Alex Ferguson ran out of Manchester United, (laughs) I mean, you can make an all-time starting 11 off those names. Yes. You know, the guys that Guardiola, I mean, Guardiola basically told Zlatan to hit the bricks. Yep. You know, um, and, uh, you know, Mourinho, of course, we know all about Mourinho. Mourinho ships out whoever he doesn't want. I mean, the the latest, I guess, being Juan Mata. How can you get rid of Juan Mata? I'm Jose. I'll get rid of who I want. Oh, okay, cool. You do that. Actually, really, the latest is Frank Lampard. Sort of. I I don't see Frank quite on the same vein because I think they just felt, you know, but I mean, if you really look at Frank, I mean, Frank was going to New York and was just like, well, I'll just do this for a while to stay in shape. (laughs) So, you know, Frank was a little different, but, you know, Mata especially because Mata was a top Premier League player and suddenly in came Mourinho and Mata couldn't get a match. Yep. And it was like, wait a minute, this guy's like, you know, maybe going to be on a starter for Spain in the World Cup, and he can't get a match for Chelsea. <laughs> so, you know, that was a little different, but just not very many guys in the world game who have that much authority to be able to say, I'm going to do it my way, and if you don't like it, fuck off. Well, let's, before we uh, go to the other big Spanish team, Real Madrid, give me <laughs> give me your prediction. Uh, Messi, Enrique, do they both stay? Do they both leave? Or does one of them leave? Um, Messi's not going anywhere. Okay. I mean, I mean, if what are you going to do if you get rid of Messi at Barcelona? Like I said, I mean, the money's just going to sit in the account. It's not like you can strengthen with it. He's not going anywhere in the next, I'm going to say the next two years, he's not going anywhere. Um, <clears throat> Enrique, all I can say, he better win. If they win, he'll stick through at least the year. If they go, if they go on a three-match winless streak and get knocked out of Europe quick, he's going to be gone. Well, speaking of a team, and they're going to actually be playing Atletico Madrid this weekend. Atletico Madrid just had a big two-nil win in the first leg of their matchup against Real Madrid in the Copa del Rey. Uh, I believe earlier today, yes, and right. and now there's been talks, there's been grumblings. You know, Gareth Bale started, Cristiano Ronaldo came on late um, to try and save the day for Real, but really there was it kind of I believe started this weekend and their loss to Valencia. Um, Bale had a run on goal, uh, elected to shoot and made took a shot that I actually feel he should have made. Uh, it was blocked, but the real kerfuffle came when Kareem Benzema felt he should have been passed to as he was streaking towards goal. And it was captured on video a couple times throughout the match. Benzema and Ronaldo talking about, like, why didn't this guy pass it to me? You know, what's his deal? And there were even some reports, don't know how true they were, but after the match, Benzema and Ronaldo still hadn't forgiven Bale for what he did in that point. And, yeah, as dramatic as it sounds, I mean, this is a bunch of friggin' high schoolers, it sounds like. 
but at the end of the day, this has started to fuel speculation that at first in the year we were like, no, 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 not at all. But now, could Gareth Bale be on his way out of Real and maybe even back to Manchester United? Oh, man. It would be the coup of all coups for United. I just, I, oh, God, that was, that was just one of those. It's like it's too big. I just can't see it happening. Mm-hmm. But I think day by day I would be a little less surprised if it happened at this point. But it's it's just it's going to be so much money, or David de Gea going the other way, plus still a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, I just oh, I just can't see it happening immediately. Did you but, do you yeah. think like I I I, I sort of wondered. When I first read about the Valdez signing, like yes, it's great to have a good number two. You know, you know, some people have found that out this year. But I'm also wondering: was that a move maybe in case De Gea leaves for Bale? Oh, I think definitely. It's um, you know, it's always good to have a second option. Um, Not that De Gea is in any danger of losing his job, which, by the way, uh, upset not going to happen. Duke's up nine now with 46 seconds left. Womp, womp. Um, And shooting another free throw. Um, I mean, it definitely opens the door. Not that I don't think – I don't think Valdez is a long-term solution. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's I mean Valdez could go another two three years if that knee holds up okay he could I mean he's he's still relatively young for a goalkeeper especially I mean he's only thirty two thirty three I think <clears throat> so I mean you know Valdez could actually go for a while um, I mean that's an interesting one man it is it is definite cover if that's what they decide to do where you know they decide is it worth it for us to move probably the guy who right now could actually be the second best goalkeeper in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, behind, uh, obviously behind Manuel Neuer, but it, it at least gives United something extra to think about. We'll put it that way. It gives them something to think about. Last, um, uh, last little bit we'll talk about with them. Do you believe the, the Real turmoil going on right now? Or is this, is this more just media makeup? Um, well, here's the here's the thing at Real. You know, when you when you have a Galacticos policy, mm-hmm. which Real obviously does. Um, I mean, don't forget every single guy. I mean, it, it, it's kind of like you know, it's kind of like going to the University of Alabama. Every single guy who's there is used to being the absolute superstar on his team, right? Benzema's used to being a superstar. Obviously, Ronaldo, Bale, James, Tony Cross. You know, these guys are used to being the superstars, the goal scorers, the glory boys, the, you know, they're used to being QB1 on Friday night, you know? Mm-hmm. And now suddenly, I mean, whatever you think you are at Real, you are in the shadow of number seven. Yeah. Yep. Whatever, whatever we think of Ronaldo... Um, you are in his shadow because, I mean, if you just look at the numbers this year, their goal scoring numbers, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, Benzema's having a really good year. I believe Benzema has like 14 goals. Ronaldo has like 26. <laughs> I mean, just and and then Bale has like 10 or 11. I mean, so they're having great years, and Ronaldo's like doubling their goal output. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's insane, but you're always in that shadow and 
you know, when you're treated like a superstar coming up and suddenly you're not the focal point, that can that can get to some guys. Um, I think Benzema has learned how to deal with it. Um, for Bale, I, you know, I never saw Bale really as that personality. But, you know, Bale is really, he's getting a little older. You know, I think he's kind of coming into his game a little more. I think he wants to be more the superstar now. And there is going to be some pushback from Ronaldo when you're basically playing the same position. True. So, but, I mean, Real has put themselves in this situation with their with their recruiting policy. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, you know, for me, hey, whatever happens to you, happens to you. That's your problem. But uh, it is definitely something, if they don't move him in January, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season goes if they have fallout from it. Yeah, they just came off a 22-match win streak uh, and now have lost, in reality, three on the trot. They lost a exhibition to, I believe, uh, Inter Milan uh, over the winter break. And then they lost uh, over the weekend in La Liga and have now lost uh, this first leg in the Copa del Rey. So we'll have to see how they continue. That could be a fascinating team if if things keep going down a little bit there. Well, it's because they, they hold either the ability to set the world on fire or the world gets the ability to watch them burn. Mm, that would be fun. Um, let us end our soccer talk for this part of the show. Um, talking about, uh, we say goodbye to one of our Premier League men of the decade we'll say, uh, maybe even the last two decades. Uh, we'll be saying goodbye to him in a few months. Steven Gerrard, the captain, you mentioned earlier in the show, he is going to the LA Galaxy uh, starting at the end of this Premier League season. He will be joining them mid-season over in LA in NMLS. Um, you know, you just I, what what are your thoughts? I mean, I know you've you've said that, you know, he's he doesn't have the legs anymore and and it, this team starts to maybe need to think about him anyway long term, but just what are your what are your thoughts? Just take a few minutes. Um uh, you saw my Facebook post, my sentimental fact that I love Steven Gerrard. He was literally the first player I started following. Um you know, he was the first guy I'd ever really heard of other than, you know, maybe Ronaldo and David Beckham. Yes. Um, you know, when I started watching soccer, it was Steven Gerrard was this absolute dynamo box-to-box midfielder who could do anything, anytime. And he was the hard-nosed, badass captain of the most storied franchise in English football. Uh, over the years, I mean, Steven Gerrard has thrilled us. He's amazed us. He has given us some of the greatest moments ever that we've seen, <laughs> you know, yes. in big matches. Uh, the highlights, of course, um, Champions League first against Olympiacos to get him into the knockout round. Uh, of course, Istanbul will always be his um, kind of his pinnacle. Mm-hmm. You know, scoring the goal when Liverpool was 3-0 down. And then um, as... Uh, Oh, who, oh, what was it? Zidane. Zidane had a, just an amazing, amazing quote about him in Istanbul. Um, basically uh, saying that, you know, Steven Gerrard was not a man. Uh, he was, oh, buddy, I'm, I'm pulling it up because this is just an amazing quote that I have to get up now. No, go ahead. Um, da, 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 where you go, where you go, where you go, Zidane. 
Oh, uh, crap! I've lost it somewhere. I'll look it up uh, if you want. If you want to keep talking. Okay. Okay. If you would, please. Just an amazing quote. But you know, Stevie G. It's always been an absolute love fest with Liverpool, just because he he is a Liverpoolian. He's the captain. He's always just had that fire, that love for Liverpool. He turned down chances to go to other places. Most famously, he turned down Chelsea in 2004 and then turned around, uh, or excuse me, in 2005, after leading Liverpool to the European Championship, he had a massive offer from Chelsea to go to Chelsea. At the 11th hour, he turned down Chelsea, and he came back to Liverpool and since then, it, it was almost like he resigned himself that he was going to be, he was going to be the leader of the great struggle to try to get back to win a, um, to win a Premier League title. At this point, obviously, it looks like that is never going to happen. Last season, it just it broke your heart for Steven Gerrard because they were so, so close, and then to come up just short at the end. Um, it was just, it was, it was gut wrenching. It was heartbreaking. Um, at that point, you thought that maybe, um, you know, maybe they have found the new, you know, the new uh, spot for Steven Gerrard to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but this season, you know, sticking Gerrard in front of that front four, you're asking him to do a lot of things that he's just not physically, I believe, ready for anymore. Um, and it just, oh man, it, it's just like, it's it just didn't quite happen. It was just the one thing that did not quite happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it sucks. It sucks. I mean, that, that's, all, that's all you got to say at the end of the day for Stevie. It sucks. Um, but yeah. at the end of the day, whatever, it's okay. I do have a, a few quotes I found. I don't know if either of these are the ones you were thinking of, um, but I do have a couple. Uh, at one point, um, Zidane, this is from an article from the Guardian, uh, where he hails Gerard as best in the world. He says, um, is he the best in the world? He may not get the attention of Messi and Ronaldo, but yes, I think he just might be. If you don't have a player like Steven Gerard, who is in the engine room, it can affect the whole team. Um, and then he goes on to actually say, um... If you don't have a player like Steven Gerrard, you can affect the whole team. When we were winning league titles and European Cups at Real, I always said Claude Makelele was our most important player. There is no way myself, uh, Figo or Raul, would have been able to do what we did without Claude. And the same goes for Liverpool and Gerrard. He has great passing ability, can tackle and score goals. But most importantly, he gives the players around him confidence and belief. You can't learn that. Players like him are just born with that presence. That's... Uh, unfortunately, that's not the one yeah. I was thinking so much. But um, I mean, Zidane has always had glowing things to say about Gerard. Yeah. Um, so, ah oh, man, I, I just I wish I could find that quote. It was just so good. But it was something to say, you know, 
basically uh, Liverpool, it, it was saying basically on that night, Liverpool were nowhere near the best team on the field, mm-hmm. but they, there was one man who just absolutely willed them to victory. And that was, uh, that was Steven Gerrard is basically the gist of the, uh, of the quote, unfortunately. Well, so, and more to that point, I can he come across and I will support. So. Sure. And uh, he also did say uh, this was in <laughs> April of last year uh, that he does, uh, he believed Gerard did deserve to win a uh, Premier League title. Said he is a good career yeah. winning many things, but it would be a big shame for him if he was never to win the league with Liverpool. For everything that he has given, he deserves a league title. <laughs> you know, of course, he wasn't actually from France. France. I like to pretend he was. Oh, let's pretend. He that's was. what that's what happened when he uh, butted Matarazzi. He became he he got the accent. There you go. There you go. Uh, don't tell me who's French and who's not, Wes Bradshaw. It's okay. Uh, well, as you try to feverishly look up that quote, we are going to move on to the other side of football, back on this side of the pond here. And really, since our last meeting, I, I feel like the only real games we need to talk about are the two semifinals that took place on New Year's Day. Of course, there were some great appetizers for that game, including Michigan State 42, Baylor 41. Michigan State scores 21 points in the fourth quarter to an erase a big Baylor lead, starting with a blocked field goal and then a two-minute drill offense that shocks Art Bryles' team in the Cotton Bowl in Arlington, Texas. But then it gave way to the semifinals of the night where we had Oregon 59 Florida State 20, Oregon scores 41 points in the second half to take control over the Seminoles. And elsewhere, it was Alabama 35, Ohio State 42 in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, you were you were animated on Twitter about both these games, Wes. Oh, brother, brother, brother. Florida State. Wow, 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 wow. Um... Obviously, I was so happy to see Florida State lose. Me too. Um, that said, uh, I did pick Florida State to win. But whatever, I make my mistakes sometimes. Um, I just, I, I had a feeling that Florida State would just find one of those weird ass ways to win a match, which they're so or win a game. Excuse me, I lost soccer now. It's fine. Um, which they have been so accustomed to. Um, they didn't. I'm thankful they didn't. Uh, Jameis Winston has apparently uh, not fully announced it, but it's come out from his father uh, that he is declaring for the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. So college football's long national nightmare is over. <laughs> you know, we get rid of this absolute trashy punk and never have to worry about him anymore in college football, which is great. And then Jameis Winston came <sighs> onto the scene. But um, Johnny Manziel drive-by shot. Johnny was never near as bad as Jameis. It's true. Johnny just liked to party. Yeah. Still does. Jameis Jameis just liked to break laws. <laughs> yeah. Like way too many laws. Um you know, Jameis, Jameis is just more of a, a, a thug. Allegedly. Johnny's a Johnny's a punk. Jameis is a thug. Okay. There you go. Okay. All right. Um Allegedly. So as for Oregon, the Oregon was just Absolutely dynamite, man. They are so fast. And one thing that I was surprised about, because I hadn't seen a lot of Morgan this year, um, and this is kind of, I'll get to it on Ohio State as well, I was surprised at how physical Oregon was. Oh, yeah. 
And that was the thing is people thought, you know, the experts thought Oregon's just going to get pushed around by these, you know, you know, Florida State, the SEC, and the Big Ten teams. And they said they're going to get pushed around. Man, Oregon came out and they punched Florida State right in the mouth. And um, that's where they won the football game. I don't think Florida State expected the fight that they were going to get from Oregon. Mm-hmm. So, uh, congratulations, Ducks. Quack, quack. And due to the second game, Oregon will be the team that I'm pulling for. On the yes, night. me too. Because there is no way in hell I will pull for Ohio State against the Russians. No. So, anyway, now that we have that out of the way, um, Ohio State, I'm going to give them all the credit in the world because they they went out and took the game from Alabama. They didn't do it on penalties like they did against Miami in 2002. They went out and just, you know, take away a run in the first and second quarter. I mean, they just came out and outplayed a Nick Saban-led football team. Mm-hmm. And that – doesn't happen very often. That doesn't happen very often. Urban Meyer had a fantastic game plan. They executed perfectly. Um, Blake Sims was finally truly exposed for being a very limited quarterback. Um, and they they got after him all night, did not allow Alabama a chance to breathe. And then at the end of the ballgame, they held on because for whatever reason, Alabama thought they had five minutes on the clock when they had a minute and a half. Oops. Whoopsie. Um, so, massive congratulations to Ohio State, and I hope you get beat by 50. Yep, it, that game will be this <laughs> Monday night. Uh, Speaking about that, producer Diz. Yeah. The, uh, in Arlington, Texas, uh, it will be Oregon versus Ohio State at 8.30 on ESPN. Uh, one last bit of college football news, key for us, of course. Wes, you were not a big fan of Mike Bobo. No, it was not a Bobo. Well, now he has gone to Colorado State to take their head coaching vacancy and run them into the ground. Um, so do you know who now is the new head uh, offensive coordinator for Georgia? That's right. They go from Bobo to Adoto. <laughs> yes. Brian Schottenheimer is leaving the Rams of St. Louis before maybe the Rams leave St. Louis, too. I'm sorry. Um, but he... to Ferguson? Oh. Oh, nope. No, no, it's worse. They might be moving to L.A. But, um, oh, God. Again, yes. Another drive-by. I'm so sorry. Um, which happens a lot in L.A., apparently. Um, and no, Ferguson. Yeah. Um, Brian Schottenheimer is leaving St. Louis to go and be the offensive coordinator at Georgia. He does have experience being a college head coach. Uh, I know he was at Syracuse and USC. Schottenheimer, only 41 years old, of course, the son of Marty Schottenheimer. Uh, he has also been, before, prior to being with the Rams, he was the offensive coordinator for the Jets for five years, so there's that. And he was also the quarterback's coach for the Chargers and Redskins from 2001 to 2005. So this was a Rams team that finished the regular season ranked 28th in total offense and 21st in scoring. Not a great team, but is this was this been your pick for Georgia to be their coordinator? He's fine, man. I really right. I, I don't I don't have a problem with Schottenheimer. Okay. Um, to me, if if you don't know something, you wouldn't keep getting hired for these jobs. That's true. Um, I think Schottenheimer. I mean, one problem he's had in the NFL. I don't think. I mean, he's never really had a great quarterback when he's been an offensive coordinator. Um. You know, with the Jets, that was what it was. That was a train wreck. I mean, with the Rams, you know, of course, freaking Sam Bradford can't stay healthy yeah. at all. Um, 
And the Jets, that was such a dysfunctional organization. It wasn't funny. But you know what, man? When he was with the Chargers, uh, he had Drew Brees, who was a good quarterback. He had um, he had Phillip Rivers, who turned into a good quarterback. He, Brian Schottenheimer obviously can coach football. Um, I think it's a really good hire, actually, for Georgia because I'm going to tell you, man, one thing that a lot of kids are starting to look at yeah, I mean, all they've got to look at and say, man, this guy's been an NFL offensive coordinator. Jim he knows he knows what it's going to take to get me to the league. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and, and I'm sorry, but the top kids, they're not going to school anymore for rah-rah for old Georgia. They're going for, hey, rah-rah for Georgia and get my ass to the league so I can get paid. That's what it's about, about making that money. Exactly. So I, I think he's going to be fine, actually. I think, it's a, I think it's a really good hire. All right, let's move to the NFL quickly. Uh, talk about the eight teams remaining. Because now that there's only one-fourth of the teams left, we can actually start to sort of care a little bit. Um, your games this weekend include Indianapolis at Denver, Baltimore at New England, then in the NFC it is Carolina at Seattle, and D- uh, Dallas at Green Bay. I have kept wanting to say Detroit the entire week. <laughs> I am sorry, Michigan. I, I really did want to. Um, it been better than Dallas. But those, those are your uh, four games, Wes. What are you looking out for? I know you have re-become a big Baltimore fan now that they are into the second round of the playoffs. Dude, I've always been a Baltimore fan. I just finally started caring about the NFL again because college is over. And because Baltimore beat the Steelers, it makes it fun for me again. Um I'm going to tell you now, Baltimore, let's start with Baltimore. Baltimore, New England. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. New England, very good against everyone else in the playoffs. Not named Baltimore. New England against Baltimore. I think Brady's one in three all time against Baltimore in the playoffs. I believe you are correct. Um, And here is the deal with Brady. Tom Brady, fantastic quarterback, obviously. Tom Brady hates, hates to have activity around him in the pocket. Mm-hmm. You have got to, and, and Baltimore is one of those really, really active teams up front that they do so many things, and they've got a guy like Terrell uh, Suggs on the end. They love to get after quarterbacks, and that is kind of the kryptonite for Tom Brady. This is going to be a very tough game for New England to go out and win. I still think New England's a better team. Um, overall, I mean, you know, they've proven it most of the year, but I would not be shocked to see Baltimore walk into New England once again and ruin a Super Bowl dream for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. I think, I think of all the teams, even though they are actually the sixth seed, I believe Baltimore has the best chance of any lower seeded team to pull off an upset this weekend. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, uh, man, I'm not going to say right now they might not be the favorite in the AFC. True. And that's crazy to think about, but. I mean, you look at it, you have a quarterback who, you know, the last four games he's played in the playoff have been wins, and that includes a Super Bowl, and that includes marching through New England and marching through Denver to win playoff football games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have experience. They have, you know, they added a guy in Steve Smith who gave them just an extra level of toughness on that offense, um, just gave them a real nasty streak on offense. Um, the defense is still just it, – it's good. They're really good. They do what you have to do in the NFL. They pressure the quarterback. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I'm sorry, but Brady and probably Peyton Manning, you're not exactly looking at Michael Vick in his prime there. <laughs> yeah. You're not looking at guys who can run and escape the pressure, and those guys can bring it. <sighs> I really, I believe if Baltimore wins this week, they're going to the Super Bowl. I, I think you're right. What What are your quick thoughts on the other three games, though? I think, I oh, think personally, yeah. Seattle's going to take Carolina to the woodshed. I think Green Bay is going to eke out a win against Dallas. I think even though Dallas has been very good on the road this year, I think Green Bay is going to be great at Lambeau. And I, I think I just don't think Indianap- Indianapolis is good, but they're not great, and I don't think they have the horses to go to Denver and beat them. So I think it's going to be Denver, uh, Baltimore, and Seattle, Green Bay. Uh, and see, you said horses and it's Colts versus Broncos. Uh, <laughs> I made a pun. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think Denver's going to be about a 10 point. I think Denver's about 10 points better than, um, Indianapolis. If this was in Indianapolis, it would change it. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to tell you though, keep your eye on Peyton because yeah. it is well reputed that Peyton hates playing in the cold. And buddy, if it's cold as shit in North Carolina, yeah, <laughs> no, it ain't real warm in Denver. So, um, that's going to be one to keep an eye on. And let's actually check Sunday's. I was actually just about to do that, so you don't even have to worry about it. Well, we are we are on the wavelength here, then. Yes, we are. Um, so, well, it's so minus just... four there right now. Oh, wait, I'm still in Celsius, aren't I? Oh, wait, here we go. I've got dimmer on my thing here. Sunday, <laughs> well, actually, Sunday is going to be 46. Yeah, okay. It's actually not that cold in Denver. I think the warm front's coming through. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right now it's like 14 degrees there. <laughs> but, um, you know, Peyton... Peyton in that kind of the cold, that is not where he's comfortable. They're going to have to rely on their running game. Um, and I, th- I just I think they're going to be okay with it. I don't see too big a problem for Denver. In the NFC, uh, I'm so hoping the Panthers just get taken to the woodshed. Um, just I, I don't I don't like the Panthers. I could I could see like a 38 to seven sort of game. Oh, I hope so. I hope Cam gets busted up. I don't. Let me reiterate that. I don't hope that happens. I just, I just being a realist. I think that's what's going to happen. Oh, I do because I'm a realist and I'm a Panther writer. So I know. Um, I'm going to go against you, Lambo. I think, I think Dallas really has something this year. (laughs) I think Dallas is going to. uh, They're going to make the the bandwagon cowboy fans are going to be so happy, and everyone else who just hates Dallas is going to be miserable for at least another week. Because I think Dallas is going to Green Bay and winning. And I think it's going to be a little shady. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, good, because we need more of that, right? Yeah, that's that's what the NFL needs, is more crap. Yep, I think it's going to happen. So, um, so I'm picking Seattle, Dallas, uh, Denver, Baltimore. All right, so we're picking the, we're picking the same four here. Um, that's our NFL for the day. Oh, I thought, no, you and I were... Um, you know we're different on. Uh, oh, I'm Bay. sorry. Yes, I, I picked Green Bay. Apologies, I picked. Green yeah, dude. All right. Anyway, um, let's. We we did our little N, uh, NCAA basketball talk. Um, just real quick, how good is the ACC this year? Um, like new ACC or old ACC, original ACC. I mean, how are we? How are we categorizing this? Uh, I think just current ACC. <laughs> They're good. Um. Eh, it's basketball. No, they're good though. Um, I think you got three really good ones: Virginia, Duke, and um, 
uh, Louisville. Uh, I think Carolina's kind of in that next group. I think Carolina's about a 10 to 20 team somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. Syracuse seems to be a little down this year. Mm -hmm. Um, But get them an ACC play, see what happens. NC State's had a pretty good start to the year. Um, they've been solid. Uh, Miami, watch out for Miami. Miami just about got Virginia the other day. Mm-hmm. I think that one went to two or three overtimes. Yeah, that was a double overtimer. Yep. Um, I, th- I think you've got a strong group. I think you've got I – th- and no offense against Virginia because I know you're a UVA guy. I think Duke and Louisville are probably a step ahead of Virginia. So I think they're your top two. Virginia's just, just, just on the outside looking in there. Then Carolina's probably around four, and then you're battling under that. I just I think the way Virginia is so defensive-minded and will just grind down teams. I mean, I remember back, I think it was in early December, when um, Kentucky just absolutely destroyed UCLA. Mm-hmm. Like, you, like I think it was, at one point it was like 24 yeah. nothing. And not to compare the two, but at one point um, my, uh, Virginia played Harvard. In a game, and Harvard is generally considered to be one of the best teams out of the uh, the Ivy League, and they they generally are expected to make a half decent run in the NCAA tournament. I think even last year they made it to the second weekend. Um, and at the at halftime of this game, it was UVA thirty nine, Harvard eight. Harvard only scored twenty seven points for the entire game. You know, I think at one point, like Harvard hadn't actually made a basket. I think like they had just scored on free throws. Like I, Virginia is just good. Like they are just going to absolutely grind you down. I think that's what they can do against Duke and Louisville, though. Well, but here's my thing with Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, what's going to happen when Virginia plays teams who are just athletically superior? I mean, just really athletically superior. Which is Duke. Which is Louisville. To an extent, North Carolina, but North Carolina finds so many ways to shoot themselves in the foot. Mm. I think Virginia will take care of the Tar Heels okay. Um, Duke and Louisville are the two that I'd really like to see. And even though Syracuse is maybe not the Syracuse of old, that's that to me seems like it could be maybe a matchup problem for Virginia mm. because they usually have a lot of length up top and usually have a good guard. So, uh, I mean, I really think Virginia – I think Virginia is a top-10 team and will be most all the season. It's just when they get in the ACC and they're playing these really top, top teams, I'm just – I'm going to be interested in what happens with Virginia. I, I think I think Virginia actually has a chance to win this conference again. I, th- I think they're just so I, – I, I don't think they're necessarily even the best mm-hmm. group of players. I uh-huh. think that's Duke. But I think Virginia is just – I think they're just a better team, and I think they're built to win in the ACC. That, that's All me. All right. right. We'll see what happens there. Yes, we will. That'll be very exciting. Can't I'm wait. not going to watch it, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> of course. All right, let's move to the zeitgeist, and we'll move back to soccer for one story. Um, Prince Ali bin al-Hussein, a close ally of a man we have talked about on this podcast before, UEFA President Michel Platini, announced plans on Tuesday to challenge for the leadership of world soccer's scandal-hit governing body from uh, FIFA. This is from Reuters. Uh, The current FIFA vice president and head of the Jordanian and West Asian Football Federations said he had been encouraged to stand by 
by colleagues disenchanted, that's a good word, with Seb Blatter's governance of the body hit by endless corruption allegations. The 39-year-old British and American-educated prince will join, join Chiro- Jerome Champagne in challenging the 7-year-old Blatter, who is Edward, widely... Edward, yeah. I would say it's Champagne. Champagne, excuse me, Champagne. Champagne. Who is widely expected to announce this month his candidature for a fifth term in the May elections in Zurich. Prince Ali says, I am seeking the presidency of FIFA because I believe it is time to shift the focus away from administrative controversy and back to sport. Um, The message I have heard over and over was that it is time for a change. The world game deserves a world-class governing body, an international federation that is a service organization and a model of ethics, transparency, and good government. Okay, Wes, while any change would be better than Seb Blatter, do you think that this man would bring about good change to FIFA? I don't know, man. I just I believe that anyone right now in that position, um, I mean, I just think it's a recipe for corruption. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, maybe just having a, a new face, you know, maybe some new ideas in there would be a great thing. I just I just don't hold out much hope. I just don't overall hold out much hope overall. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I don't know. I mean, hell, give him a shot. He can't make it much worse. It's true. Um, I mean, and, and you know, hey, the fact that he was educated in England and the United States, maybe that means, you know, he does have uh, some more maybe forward-thinking um, ideas in the future coming hey, up. Hey, so. maybe he'd even be more open to cooperating with um, investigations into the corruption that are brought on by mainly the English and the Americans um, and try to really get to the bottom of that stuff. I mean, I don't, you never know, but I, I would like to think that might be part of it. I mean, I mean, here's what I say. I mean, what the hell? Like I said, I just don't think it could get worse, so you might as well give him a shot. Yep. Uh, I didn't put this story on the rundown, but it has come out. Um, pretty early here, and actually, that's not the correct one. Um, but actually, it has come out at Florida State that the uh, former accuser of Jameis Winston is suing the school for Title Nine reasons. And I, yep, here we go. Uh, that she has filed a Title Nine lawsuit against FSU. Um, and it is accusing the school's administration of failing to obey federal Title IX laws upon <coughs> becoming aware of the rape allegation. Uh, this is from a Deadspin article. According to the Title IX, universities are required to conduct their own investigations into allegations of sexual assault regardless of whether the case is being investigated by police. As general rule, these investigations are supposed to be wrapped up within 60 days of the university becoming aware of the alleged assault. And as we know... There's no chance in hell that happened. Like, there no. just isn't. So here, here's my question. Does she have a case? I, I think she does. But more importantly, will anything change, and what will really come out of this? Um, I think she does have a case. Um, I just I think by the end of it, it'll probably be one of those settled out of court where we'll never hear what happened, really. Uh, I... Just, I don't know if Florida State, if it changes anything. Right now, that's just, that, I mean, that is the FIFA. Yeah. Florida State is the FIFA of college football. I mean, it's it's just straight up corruption, man. It is just corrupt down there. And, you know, 
the police are covering things up down there. The Tallahassee police are covering up. Obviously, the campus police are covering things up. They're letting football players get away with basically murder down there. You know how? And here's my deal. Um, you can't really compare them to the Miami Hurricanes of the '80s, which everyone wants to do, because those guys got in trouble. You know, they weren't <laughs> getting it covered up. They either just knew how to stay just enough out of the way of getting in trouble or they finally just got nailed for what they did. I mean, at Florida state, it's like you can do about anything and there's no real consequence on it. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, which is disturbing. Oh, it is. I mean, as a citizen of that town, I mean, what happens if, you know, a football player punches me in the face, you know, I bump into him somewhere. He gets mad, punches me in the face. He's going to get off. Yeah. You know, how can I have any, you know, how can I have any faith in my local police department? I mean, unless I'm just a blindly loyal fan and would be like, oh, man, Jameis Winston punched me in the face. That's my claim to fame. That's so awesome. He punched me in the face and then I asked him to autograph my broken nose. So, I mean, it's it's what it is, man. They're, they're shit. That's a horrible place. I hate them all. Do you do you, do you think anything good could come out of this in, in in any way, shape, or form? I mean, like you said, it seems like the accuser does have uh, a very strong case here against the university. Most likely, the university will want to settle this out of court. I can't imagine them wanting to take this to court because I I have to imagine they know they'd lose. So the I mean, qu- the, the only thing I can see changing is um, if the black eye is so bad. That, you know, maybe um, some board of trustee members, it's like, okay, guess what? You're not on the board anymore. We're going to bring in new people. That's the only way anything's going to change, really, to me, is if the board of trustees, um, you know, really step up to the plate and do what they're supposed to do. Well, and believe me, this is not to make light of these accusations, because they are terrible, and FSU done effed up really, really badly here. If these are true, it's, it's terrible. Well, but, you know, FSU stands for Florida screwed up, so. Yeah. Um, reading some of these comments in the Deadspin article uh, kind of made, I admit, they made me chuckle a little bit. Uh, this one is from a Reverse Ape Chemist. Uh, for those of you who think FSU deliberately waited to refer the matter, last week should have made it clear they have somewhat of a tendency to inexplicably drop the ball. Oh, this is from, uh, this, <laughs> this one is from the very well-named uh, But Far Ass Face. Um, Florida State is in big trouble. As we saw this football season, they're not adept at handling a title defense. <laughs> um, this one coming from RMJ equals H. Uh, it would have been a title 10 suit, but FSU played Oregon. <laughs> um, this is from Ginger Hammered. Uh, I'm sure this news will bring a measured and reasoned response from hashtag FSU Twitter. Um, <laughs> And then uh, this is, I, I don't even know if I should say this. You know, I'm not even going to read the last one. We're not, we're not going to, not even going to read that last one. We're going to move on to uh, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. The class of 2015 was announced. Your four inductees are the big unit, Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, maybe the greatest pitcher of our lifetimes. Uh, John Smoltz, the venerable Atlanta pitcher. And Craig Biggio, star second baseman for Houston for many, many years. Um, you you sounded like you had some issues. I know I have issues, Wes. Um, why don't Why don't you air your grievances first? Um, 
uh, I mean, issue was. Um, it sounded like when I was introducing this topic in the podcast oh, a while ago. Oh, you, oh, no, I don't really have any. I, I think Biggio is a very borderline Hall of Famer. I thought Biggio was more of a compiler over the years. Um, but I don't really have a problem with Biggio's getting in. I, I believe if Biggio's in, I believe Bagwell should be in. Yes, yes, I believe that. That's as well. me. I believe Bagwell should be in. <clears throat> um, and, you know, and I guess the only issue you really take with this group, if you really want to, is you know it, whatever you believe about the the players connected with the steroids. Mm-hmm. I mean, because obviously you've got two of the all time best names in baseball history in Bonds and Clemens sitting down there with 35% of a vote in, in which, you know, while they were playing, they were near unanimous. So that's whatever you think about it. I'm not getting into them tonight. I don't care that much. Uh, as for the guys who did get in, um, Smoltz, I I really thought that Smoltz was going to have to wait a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm glad he didn't. Yeah, me too. I thought he was just as big a part of everything they did in Atlanta as Glavin and Maddox. Mm-hmm. Um, so happy to see Smoltz in. Like Smoltz. Smoltz, uh, even when he was a Red Sox, wasn't great, but I like Smoltz a lot. Uh, Randy Johnson might be the ugliest man who's ever made the Hall of Fame. <clears throat> uh, but, I mean, the guy the guy blew a bird up once with a <laughs> he fastball. Yes, he he is the absolute shit. Randy Johnson, one of the best left-handers who's ever played. And then the man who the man who stole my heart in. Yeah, all of um, God, I've been having the argument over the last few days. I think he's the best right hand. I say he's the best right hander to ever play. I don't really know if I can back that up numerically <laughs> over a career, but the argument I made was, you know. And I had this argument with a guy at work, and he's sitting there. He's breaking out like, well, look at what Walter Johnson did back in the day. And I'm like, yeah, dude. When there were like 40 home runs in the entire league. Yeah. I'm like, and there was no such thing as like, you know, middle relievers or anything. <laughs> um, I mean, I saw so sort of breaking out old Hoss Radburn stats on him. in his fifties And his 60 wins that he had in 1884. So, um Pedro Martinez from 19, if you just go in the books from 1997 to 2002, um, when you now years later realize that that was the absolute peak of the steroid era, what a guy who was five foot 10, 175 pounds was able to walk out and do is so fucking amazing it's not funny i believe two or three of those years he had sub two eras Mm -hmm. um strikeouts to walls he had over 300 strikeouts a couple of those years uh won three cy youngs one in the national league two in the american league was the runner-up one year for the mvp and the fact that he did it not only in the steroid area, but he did it right smack dab in the middle of the Yankee dynasty pitching in the in the American League East mm-hmm. with Toronto lineups, Baltimore lineups that were just stacked. Yeah, he's pretty and good. And he did it night in and night out. I mean, he, he, is, he is the most electric pitcher I ever saw. Never threw a no-hitter but was a guy who every time he took the mound, you thought he was capable of throwing it, and he usually was capable. He usually had the stuff for it. Um, 
And actually, as a Red Sox received a standing ovation at Yankee Stadium on a night where he threw a one-hitter and struck out 17. Yeah. Um, a once again on a stack Yankee lineup. To me, when Pedro did it, how Pedro did it, how Pedro was built, he's not a 6'7", 235-pound monster like Clayton Kershaw. You know, he's not built like a linebacker. He was just this wiry little guy who, if you saw him walking down the street, you would never think twice about him. And he was the best fucking pitcher in baseball. I, I think this was crazy. Um, at age 33 season, he it was his first year for the New York Mets uh, mm-hmm. after winning the World Series with Boston in 2004. Uh, and even though he went only 15-8, and eight, uh, he still led the National League in whip and strikeout-to-walk ratio. Yeah. I mean, he was – and those were his down years. Yeah. Yeah. Way, those were when he was on the backside because Pedro was one of those guys. Pedro threw so much in Boston, and Pedro's body size, once again, he was not built to pitch till he was 40. Right. Because he did rely on velocity, but his changeup was so good. Mm-hmm. And he could put a baseball wherever he wanted. Um, for those years in his prime, Montreal to Boston, he was the best pitcher I ever saw. Um, my dad said Sandy Koufax. Eh, okay. Koufax was actually, actually, if you look at them, Koufax and Pedro, very similar. For about five or six years, they were the best pitchers in baseball. Mm-hmm. Just neither of them had the extreme longevity. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think Pedro won three hundred games. Uh no. If Pedro pitched till he was forty, he would have won three hundred games. Yep, he, he had there, two, he, he won two nineteen. And that's with only posting single-digit wins his last four seasons. There you go. I mean, he was just, you know, while he was while he was at the top of his game, though, he was the best pitcher in baseball. And just because, you know, obviously I'm a giant Boston homer and he's my favorite pitcher of all time, I'm calling him the best pitcher ever. Sure. And, I mean, there was a time, I mean, <laughs> his 97 season in Montreal when he led the league in ERA with a one with 1.90 ERA and yeah. threw – 13 complete games. Yeah. 13 complete games. He still somehow lost eight games that year. Exactly. And that was because they weren't good. I... It's just they weren't good. And, I mean, some of the years in Boston, they were down. Yeah. But, you know, the ones for me were the biggest one I remember from Pedro <clears throat> was the night, game five, 99 yep. American League Division yep. Series, when he had a strained yep. muscle in his back, yep. had pitched two days before, yep. came out of the bullpen for Boston through six no-hit innings, and Boston won the Division Series. Yep. I mean, he's he was an absolute warrior. He would do anything to win. Um, he's, you know, he had a midget. <laughs> that was awesome. So, yes, Pedro Martinez, to me, best pitcher in history. This is just God tier. He is. He is. He is in God's ear to me. He is. Uh, all I'll say about I, I love the class. I love Biggio. I, I'm so glad to see Smoltz get in now. All three Braves pitchers from that era are in. So that was really good to see. I love. I love now it's time to stump for Steve Avery, right? Denny Nagel. Duh. Denny Nagel. There we go. Mike Hampton. <laughs> oh, oh, Mike Hampton. God, I didn't Mike Hampton win a Cy Young. I believe he did. God, God rest the soul of Mike Hampton. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as he signed with Colorado, just oh. took the money to absolutely implode his career. Basically, uh, as did Denny Nagel. Um, <laughs> Sainsies. 
Yeah. The one thing I will say about the Hall of Fame voting, and other people have said this, Jason Stark wrote a very good article about this on ESPN.com this week. The the fact that, that we are still only allowing writers to vote for a max of 10 people per every year, it's just stupid, isn't it? Isn't it? The job of these people to say who were the best. Well, you know, if, if if you can't vote for everyone you think is the best, then what is the point? I mean, I, I just I don't believe I don't believe I believe okay. Jeff Bagwell would be a Hall of Famer if there wasn't a cap on number of votes. I believe enough people would vote for him that he would get in. Um, and and I just don't think. It's ever going to happen. Listening to how the the BB uh, or the the Baseball Hall of Fame was talking this week, I don't think that's ever going to happen. It might the cap might get raised, but it's never going to go away. And I think that is a tremendous shame. And that has nothing. That's not even getting into the whole should Bonds be in, should Clemens be in, should McGuire be in. That's that's not even getting into that. I'm just talking about they're good, really good players, Hall of Fame worthy players that might not get in because of this stupid cap. It is a stupid cap. Um, baseball writers, baseball writers are the most self-righteous sacks of shit known to man. A lot of them are. I don't think as I, I think that's becoming less of a trend, <laughs> but definitely in the old days, you are exactly God, right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're I right. mean, those guys thought they were just freaking God. And I mean, and, and they've always said, you know, I mean, the whole fact that there has never been a unanimous first ballot Hall yeah. of Famer. Yeah. I mean, you're talking fucking Mickey Mantle, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Bob Gibson, um, I recently Cal Ripken Jr. Yeah. How the fuck do you live with yourself? And it's all because somebody says, you know, well, I'm going to be the guy who makes them not a unanimous Hall of Famer. And then they'll remember my name forever, even though we don't, because you're sacks of shit. Um, the other like, thing I've heard on that though is 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 other people this year were saying like because Pedro got ninety seven percent of the vote, which yeah. means like three percent of the writers didn't vote for him. And a lot a common occurrence I heard was, well, I knew he was getting in, so I wanted to use one of my votes for someone else. Exactly. I mean, Why? I mean, how how and what and on what planet does Pedro Martinez and Randy Johnson? Not deserve a first ballot Hall of Fame vote. It's stunning. Apparently, this one. I mean, it's oh my god. And I mean, it's it, it's craziness. And, and I mean, there you go. There's the cap. Well, I want to use my vote for someone else. I mean, at least that's a little more righteous. But I mean, there are some writers who it's like, well, he didn't give me an interview when he was oh, 22 yeah. years old, so oh, I'm yeah. not voting for his ass. Because he pissed me off and didn't give me an interview. Fuck you. Eat shit and die. You are not worth the air that you breathe. I kind of want to make that the name of this podcast. And part of my uh, part of my venom is toward Dan Shaughnessy. Oh I can't God! Did that, but I can't stand Dan Shaughnessy. I compared. I com- I I wrote. I was reading as I am loath to do, but I ended up doing it. Um, <sighs> one of the uh, the Spurs bloggers on ESPN FC. Who? Uh-huh. Oh, I w- I know what article I was reading. I was reading the article of what do Spurs need to do in the transfer window. And I'm like, he just goes on. He's like. Oh, this has been a bad year for Spurs, and you know it's been very disappointing watching them play. I'm like, who who are you? What what team have you been watching this year? What, how have you not had fun? It, it hasn't always been good, but it's been exciting. 
I mean, Jesus Christ, what more do you friggin' want? So I, I, I compared him to Dan Shaughnessy of England. Well, and the thing about Shaughnessy, you know, Shaughnessy was like the one person in Boston who was upset that the Red Sox won the World Series in 2004 yeah. because suddenly he couldn't go to his Curse of the Bambino shit, which made him a ton of money. Yeah. He couldn't break that out anymore. He couldn't use that. So, you know, for him it was disappointing that they won because, you know, it just it didn't fit into his narrative. Yeah. So, and, you know, and I don't know what Shaughnessy's – I've never heard of Shaughnessy being a Hall of Fame butthole. I'm sure he has been. He has that uh, – he just kind of has that it factor about him to me. But I just want to go on a rant about Dan Shaughnessy. <laughs> let's well, hey, let's see. Uh, uh, they've been publishing a lot of the uh, the voters uh, who uh-huh. how they voted. Um, let's see if uh, maybe if Shaughnessy we... didn't vote for Pedro. Uh, I could see him being an asshole and not. Let's that. see. Uh, okay, here we go. No, he did. Here, here was okay. who Dan Shaughnessy voted for. Uh-huh. Johnson, uh, Martinez, Tim Raines, Kurt Schilling, okay, John yes. Smoltz. And Alan Trammell. Uh, okay, I, I'm not gonna argue with many of those. I like this though. This is this is coming from the SportingNews.com on an article of the five most confusing ballots. Uh-huh. Um, his came in, and here's the explanation. Shaughnessy took a confrontational tack with his ballot explanation, writing, "Bring on the hate! Bring on the humiliation! Bring on the blog boy outrage! Bring on the analytic arrogance! Bring on the PED Paul Pass!" Uh, no votes for guys caught using, and worse, no gu- votes for guys who just don't look right. Bagwell and Piazza are the two players most penalized for this arbitrary crime. By any statistical measure, uh, Bagwell and Piazza are first ballot Hall of Famers, yet Shaughnessy still didn't vote for either of them. Yeah, and, and with them, you know, it's never been said that they took roids, but it's like he said, they, don't, they just they kind of look like they might have. Right. And that's God Almighty that pisses me off. Yeah. And I'm not a Piazza fan. Piazza should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Bagwell should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, Piazza was probably one of the greatest catchers of our generation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he was the best hitting catcher. He's the best hitting catcher to this day I've ever seen. Um, yeah. But, you know, I mean, even there with Shaughnessy, I don't disagree with his ballot. I'm fine with who he voted for. But then he had to make it all about him. Yeah, exactly. Bring on the hate. It's like, okay, you're just starting to trying to start a fight. Um, I agree with him. I think Kurt Schilling should be in. Um, yeah. Some of that might be a little Boston Homerism, but I think he's one of the best uh, postseason pitchers ever. And it's not like he had bad regular season numbers. He played for some really bad teams yeah. though for a while. Especially I mean, especially in, yeah, in Philly, he was just on some horrible teams that killed some numbers for him. So um, I, I'm hoping Schilling will get in maybe next year. I think he will. Um, and, I th- and I think Piazza will get in next year, too. So. I, I have to imagine. I think both him and Bagwell. I, I, I'm curious to see how loaded next year's class is, because I don't know if it's as bad as the last two years have been. I mean, last two years. Oh, oh, actually, I do know at least one person who's on the ballot next year. Who's that? That's King Griffey Jr. He might get in. And does, it, does, it, does he look right? And we'll, I'm sure he, I don't know if he still has his giant head. But that was uh that was his grotesquely swollen jaw. That was from the uh that was from the tonic that Mr. Burns gave him. There you go. There you go. That's so. explained. That's not PED use. That's well, and, and, and and he'll be the next one that's gonna have somebody's gonna have to explain why they didn't vote for him uh, yeah. for first ballot Hall of Fame because he obviously deserves to be in first yeah. ballot. Ken Griffey Jr. ninety four point eight percent of the vote. What? Yeah, he'll get that. What the hell? Really? All right, Wes. What are what are we watching in the week that was and the week that will be? 
Um, crap, we're still on holiday stuff, man. It's 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 sort of ending this week. It's sort it's sort of ending. What have I watched this week? Um, I've been on Netflix a lot this week, actually. Okay. Uh, I finally got around to watching Anchorman Two, as did you. Yes. Um, yes, yes, a, a movie that a movie that we were both so excited about a year ago that we had to go see it, just never got a chance, and then never rented it, never did anything. Yeah. Got bored one night, found it on Netflix, and we both happened to watch it within about three days of each other. Yeah. We're like, oh yeah, I'll watch this now. Yeah. Uh, so that that was fun. The the fight scene at the end was amazing. Um, as for that, I mean, American Horror Story is back this week. I, I'm I'm still an episode behind on Horror Story, but um. Hasn't been a great season, but there is one great character in it. His name is Dandy. Mm. Dandy Mott. He's turning into an uh, awesome mass serial killer um, who now bathes in his victim's blood. Literally drains his victims and um, takes the blood home to his palatial estate and pours it into a bathtub and gets in and bathes in it. Fun times. Oh, it's very, very interesting. Very interesting. He's, he's great. Um, and, of course, Ed. Oh, next week. Is it next week? It's next week. Or is it this week? What? Are you talking about Archer? Because that's tomorrow or today if you're listening to the podcast. (laughs) Of course I'm talking about Archer. (laughs) God, it's going to be so fucking cold tomorrow. I couldn't remember. Oh, it's the cold's already uh, freezing my brain. So. Yes, um, I uh, I'm very excited for Archer as well. I'll tell you what else uh, I watched last night, uh, Tuesday uh-huh. night, uh, and that was Agent Carter on ABC, uh-huh. the uh, the the new Marvel show that's coming. Just seven uh-huh. weeks. Uh, it's talking about Agent Peggy Carter. She made her debut. Uh, Haley Atwell, who is gorgeous. I mean. <laughs> Just beautiful, <laughs> beautiful golden fur. Uh, she have like dark hair, but still. well, she she does put on a blonde wig at one point in the show and starts affecting an American accent. Okay, yeah, um, but no, she's great. She's a great actress, great character. Um, and like I, I said it while it was happening, in small doses, like this seven week run they're doing until Agents of Shield comes back on, I can take a 1940s spy show that also deals with feminism in the workplace. I am all for it, especially when she kicks as much ass as she does in this show. It is fantastic. For and seven weeks, look, I can do it. It just looks fabulous doing it. Oh, well, well, no matter what her hair color is, she is just great, wonderful. And, and any chance to class up the, the office with a British accent. Oh, oh, oh love, love Agent Carter. She's fantastic. Fantastic. So I can't wait to watch the next six weeks of Agent Carter before Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. makes its glorious return. All right, Wes, let us get so raw here at the since end we of are, the podcast. Since we're running out of time, we're going to make so raw really quick. Sure. The, uh, the two highlights, well, the, okay, three highlights. <laughs> we start the show, the authority is back in power, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. Mm-hmm. And they said, hey, guys, no hard feelings. It's just, look, everyone's going to be treated the way they deserve to be treated. Mm-hmm. Okay. What that led to was um, basically all of the guys who uh, were in the Survivor Series match against the Authority got absolutely uh, gypped at every one of their matches that night uh, with special stipulations and all that good stuff. Um, the highlight of the night, 
Dean Ambrose taking on Bray Wyatt in an ambulance match. Uh, the highlight of that match was uh, Dean Ambrose actually jumping off the top of an ambulance wow. through Bray Wyatt, who was laying on a table below. Of course um, he did. That was awesome. And it ended with Bray Wyatt, a uh, pair of sister Abigails. Um, and uh, Ambrose ends up in the back of the ambulance. So Bray Wyatt gets the win, but an awesome match to watch. And then at the end of the night, you know, no big deal. Uh, but um, uh, John Cena's three teammates from Survivor Series, uh, uh, Eric Rowan, Ryback, and Dolph Ziggler were all fired at the end of the night for their uh, – how dare they take up arms against the authority. So they were all fired as Raw went off the air. And we're five weeks away from the Royal Rumble. So we'll see how that uh, turns out. I am I am very excited about the Royal Rumble. I think I think this has a chance to be a very very good one. And I, I can already hear Dean Ambrose knocking on the door. Oh, he's crazy! Oh, and the big news starting next week: SmackDown moves from Friday night to Thursday night. Oh, that's going to conflict with Archer. I know, so I'm just going to have to tape Archer. Well, no, no, no. SmackDown will end at ten. Oh, okay. So Archer, I, come on, too. I'm good. Don't worry. I'm I, I, believe, I believe Archer comes on at 10. I believe, I believe you're correct on You that. can't show Archer any earlier. So. <laughs> you're not at wrong. Least, at least not in uh, first running. So. Yeah, not, not in America. Um, <laughs> with that, though, that is going to do it. Please watch Archer tomorrow night. It's so good. I can't, I can't wait to see what they're going to call ISIS from now on. Because <laughs> you uh, can't call them that anymore. Call ISIS. Uh, but we've enjoyed bringing you episode 36 of the all new sports show. Um, you, myriad of ways to connect with us on social media as a collective. We are at all new sports show. Wes, you are, I am at West Bradshaw 21. You're correct. It is 10 PM. Uh, I am at Edward green on Facebook. We are facebook.com slash all new sports show on YouTube. We are youtube.com slash the all new sports show. You can also get us on Instagram, instagram.com slash all new sports show. Um, you can also email us all new sports show at gmail.com or just plain old mail us 1701 set Avenue suite two zero one. Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. All those addresses are in the podcast description. And one last thing, thank you to podbean.com for hosting our files and getting this out to you, as well as on the iTunes Music Store and on Stitcher Radio. Um, so I think that's going to do it. Producer Des is giving us the rap signals. So Wes, anything to add before we leave? Um, nothing big on my end. Uh, bat to basketball for you and me this week on the actual All New Sports Show. Correct. We will be doing the Big East opener of Hunt at Rocky Mount. Should be another Classico in the making. So from all of us here at the all-new sports show, thank you so much for listening to us this week. We'll be back next week with another big week of soccer. Uh, college football wraps up. We'll be talking national championship game and maybe even delving a little bit more into college basketball. And I'm sure some crazy transfer will have happened by then. So from all of us here, have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time. Good night, Burkina Faso. Oh, oh I can't wait till you say good night to Eretria. I'll never say good night to them. Why would you never do that? What did Eretria ever do to you? They lived. Point. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs>